If you take your Bibles and turn back uh, to Psalm 37, this is the psalm we were in last week, and uh, we're here this week again because we didn't get all 40 of the verses covered. Returning there, I was thinking about uh, the fact that uh, about 10 years ago now, uh, I think this month, if I remember my dates correctly, I ended up going uh, out to Massachusetts to be the pastor out in Fitchburg at uh, Beth Eden Baptist Church. But I remember the, the time when going out there, it was a trip where I was driving out and then family was with me, Grace and Tammy were, and then they were going to fly back and the like. And we were there for uh, a couple of days. And remember, one of the things they did is that they were having a youth activity. And this youth activity was at somebody's house out in the middle of the woods. Uh, the family lived uh, in a small town. It was a one-road town uh, that you'd fly through uh, if you were on the main road, but it was there on both sides and whatever and the like. And they had given us directions, but we were like, no, nah, we're fine. We'll, we'll go ahead and take the GPS. You know, we'll, we'll be okay. And uh, so we left the church and drove down the road, then cut up through and started cutting through. And the road started getting higher and higher. And the road got narrower and narrower. And it had just been after a snowstorm. And so there was snow everywhere. And, and uh, we start getting to a point where we're looking and there's, you know, a cliff on one side and, and uh, you know, it's clear on the other. But uh, the road gets to a point where there's a car coming at us and it's like, where are we going to go? There's no choice here. I know that we're going to drive off the road in this snow drift or they're going to drive into the snow. I, we kind of went in the east past each other with the mirrors and whatever and, and got past each other. And, and, you know, we're making turns. There's gravel roads. We're like, are we on the right thing? You're looking at the GPS. It's the only road. And uh, we're like, well, we don't want to turn around because we know what we just went through. It's got to get better here soon. And after uh, what should have been a 15-minute drive, it was about a 30-minute drive for us, we actually got to uh, the road that they were on, this main road uh, there, main road there in uh, rural New England, and found their house and got stopped. And we said, wow, that was quite the drive. And they said, well, what route did you take? And we tried to describe it to them, and they're just like, we never even take those routes. You know, it's not even safe in the winter to do that because you get lost. The people who live up there kind of want to be away from everybody anyhow. So uh, you typically don't drive on those roads. So what you need to do is take this road out, follow it all the way down to such and such, and, uh, and then it'll get you back there and you can drive 55 and be fine. Uh, nothing will be wrong. And sure enough, we took that route back and it was so much faster, so much easier. And you say, well, what's uh, that have to do with the passage here? Well, there are two paths to life. There's a path that is a little bit more difficult and hard, and then there's the one that's easier if you just take what you're told to take. And in this passage, we have two paths. You have the path of what we would just simply call the righteous, uh, those that are ones who trust in the Lord, as you see in verse number three. And then you have a group of individuals that are known as the wicked multiple times, I think 13 times this passage, you read through it, and it goes by different names. And you've got a path that they're on. 
and they're not the same. The features are completely different. And for us, uh, what we are, are going to do this evening is just kind of look at uh, a comparison. It's intended here as you get past verse uh, 11, as we were not dealt with that yet, where there's just a verse that states something about the righteous and then a verse that states something about the wicked. And then a couple of verses that state something about the righteous and then a couple of verses that state about, that state about the condition of the wicked. They're different. And we do have to make sure we have our perspective right. We talked last week and really concentrated on this at the first 11 verses. You see a, a word come up three times that's the word fret. And the idea of that word fret is don't burn yourself up. Don't set yourself on fire over certain things. And we can forget the fact that even though we're on one path, we may look over at the other path that the wicked's on and go, oh, it's so much better for them. And that's not really an accurate perspective. If we have our perspective right, we have our thought process on the Lord and uh, who He is and what He's like and how He deals with uh, His own, uh, there would never be a reason for us to be burned up about what path the wicked are on if we had our perspective correct so i want us to to this week just simply start in verse 12 and we're going to read uh, through the psalm and i want you to just kind of as we go through before we actually preach this see if you can see some of these comparisons the good the righteous and the wicked the good the righteous and then you got the wicked. And the perspective that the psalmist is giving, this compare and contrast, most of it is contrast, that is going on between the righteous and the wicked. Verse 12 says this, The wicked plotteth against the just, the righteous, and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow and cast down the poor need to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such that be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, and to smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth, and payeth not again. But the righteous showeth, showeth mercy and giveth. Uh, for such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now am old. Yet I, have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints, that are <clears throat> preserved forever. But the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. 
The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom. His tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, and the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. The Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. What you see in this section as it starts off in verse number 12 is that the Lord gives protection. Okay, we may fret and be worried about what's going on in the world, the security that uh, the world seems to have. But as you see, starting off in verse 12 is that the Lord gives protection I mean, you you kind of see uh, in this comparison to start off with in verse 12 and 13, you you see the face of these individuals. You've got the wicked who are looking to do harm to those that are righteous. They plot to do this. We looked at uh, last uh, or two weeks ago in Psalm 36, they, they lose sleep over this trying to figure out how they can do damage to those that are doing right and do damage to these type of things. They plot they plan they even as you see here they gnash their teeth it's like they they are getting ready to chomp down you see animals do this they they bare their teeth as uh, they get ready to uh, attack something that's kind of what the wicked is doing but in contrast to it it doesn't even talk about uh the righteous individual it just simply talks about the lord the Lord who's the protection for the righteous. You see the contrast in his face. Verse 13, the Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. He sees the wicked day coming. He knows he's going to be judged. It reminds us of what you find in, in Psalm chapter 2. You know, the, the, the world is trying to figure out how they're going to break God's bands asunder and, and get free of his rules and to, to, to fight against the Lord and his anointed one, his Messiah. And it says there in verse number four, and the Lord in heaven shall, what? Laugh. No matter what mankind attempts to do and, and tries to bring against uh, the Lord and his followers, the Lord just looks at this and laughs. Because really, there's nothing that a human being can do against God if God is set against them. Not a single thing. And uh, they may plot and plan and think that they've got uh, everything in line that they need to to accomplish what their goal is, and that's the destruction of what's good. And God just looks and goes, no, I already know what their end is. I've seen it. I know what it's like where it's going to end for them and you see the protection of the lord and he's just laughing at the 
activities of the wicked because they think they're accomplishing something that is being done in secret. I mean, you see the actions uh, of the wicked in verse number uh, 14. I mean, they've got their swords out. They've got their bows uh, all set to cast down uh, the poor and needy and slay those that live an upright life. They're all ready and set to go for war. And the irony of it is that oftentimes what happens to these individuals is they get caught up in their own, their own devices. Their sword shall enter their own heart. Their bows shall be broken. I mean, they uh, have all the plans here and all the weapons are ready and they all are failed by them and they are, well, shooting themselves in their own foot. I mean, I think of this all the time that dictators think that they're in charge they rule and whatever, and then you find out that the very same tactics they used to gain their power are the very things that get them right out of power. Same tactics, same plans, same weaponry, and the like. You see that the Lord protects and usually does it by them destroying their own, their own selves. You see that the Lord protects even the possessions, what little they may be of the righteous person. Verse 16, a little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. I mean, it is okay not to have everything in this world, but have what you need for your daily, as the scripture says, your daily bread, the daily necessities. That's really all you need. And at times, uh, believers can get upset that their bank accounts aren't as large as somebody else, and, and uh, especially the wicked who squander what they get, and they use it for all sorts of ill purposes, and there can be some frustration there. But here you have the statement, a little is better than a lot when it comes to a person who's trusting in their goods and possessions rather than in the Lord. And so you see protection that the Lord gives. The Lord gives protection, but you also see that the Lord takes care of a righteous person's possessions. Verse 18 and 19, you have this statement about uh, the Lord knowing the days of the upright. Their inheritance shall be forever. The possessions and goods they have are going to last forever. You go, what? You know, all the things that I own in this life I'm going to keep? No. The very important things. You think about what 1 Peter 1 says, that there's uh, an inheritance reserved in heaven for us. You know, the houses that we imagine are so wonderful here don't match what you have in the buildings uh, that are going to be in heaven. The food and everything that goes along with that. You can't imagine what the feasts in heaven are like. You can't imagine what uh, it's like with the uh, things that people give their life to uh, to try and possess in this life, the gems and the gold, and you go to that place and the walls and the streets are made of those things. The inheritance of the, the righteous uh, that they have to look forward to, the things that they are looking forward to is et are eternal. And they're not ashamed in the evil time, verse 19, in the days of famine, they shall be satisfied. You go, why? Because they know that this life isn't it. They've got something that they have in their possession that's far longer. But verse 20, I mean, the wicked lives for this life, but they're going to perish. They're like the smoke that, or the, the, the off uh, cuttings of 
a sacrifice that would be cast into the fire. They go up in smoke. I mean, their possessions and their good just seem to vanish. They have nothing. I mean, because an individual is righteous, they know that the possessions really aren't truly theirs. They're not theirs to have for, the, for eternity in the sense of the goods of this life. So what are they willing to do? Well, you see that in verse number 21. Uh, the wicked borrow and pay not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. You know, some of the most giving individuals are believers who have their uh, home in heaven and they have so little in this life and they continue to give. The wicked are otherwise, they're, they're hoarding. I mean, that's kind of what is being said there when they borrow and don't give back. They're taking whatever they can and they're holding on to it, even things that really aren't theirs. They'll hold on to it because this is all they have the possessions of this life, and so they hold on to those things and cling to them. Whereas a righteous person's going, stuff right now, not really mine, it's the Lord's, uh, and I see someone who's in need in a worse condition than I am, I'm willing to give them mercy, I'm willing to give them uh, what they need, and you find that a person that's like this, verse 22, uh, for such as a ble- or excuse me, for such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The idea is this: the person that is giving is the one that's going to inherit the land. They've got an inheritance; it's future. They're going to enjoy things that go beyond this life. Whereas the wicked person. This is all they've got. But when it comes to our possessions, God will take care. It kind of goes with what you find in verses 23 through uh, 26. That the Lord guards the pathway of the righteous. The Lord takes care of these things. <clears throat> Verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You go, what does that mean? That means I'm going to have a, a stable uh, ground to walk on all of my life? No, that doesn't mean that. But if I am looking at it like I should, that everything that I have, every time and season of life, God's in charge. My steps, my path is ordered by the Lord. And it may take me from a human standpoint through some dark paths and other occasions, some very bright occasions in life, that all of these things are just simply taken care of by the Lord. They're not accidental. The things that come across our path aren't that way. And you find that an individual that's like this delights in their way, even though it may be, at the time, tough. Whereas you have on the other side of this, uh, uh, this statement, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And I read that, and it kind of reminds me of the statements as you go through uh, the writings of Paul and in 2 Corinthians, where he just simply talks about the fact of him being cast down, but yet not destroyed. And there are times where the Apostle Paul went through some deep waters, but he said, it didn't bring my complete destruction. and didn't completely fall apart. You go, why? Because he still had God. 
So it is. A person goes through this life and they go through something that's difficult and, and it's almost like they've, they've been crushed by something or they've, they've fallen. No, they're still okay because God is still what? He's got them by the hand. Like one who, and you think about this, you would do this when you had a small child. You would walk them if you're going across a creek or something like that. You would hold on to their hand. And at times they would slide and whatever else and you being the taller one could hold on to them and keep them up even though they're they're slipping all over the place that's what god's like he takes us through some paths like that and we may slide all over the place and feel like we're stumbling but yet the lord still has got us by the hand and you think about this the path of life may not be easy you got an illustration here of that in verse number 25. I've been young and now old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Now, does that, does that passage say they're not poor? Okay, from a world's perspective, they'd say poor is the, being poor is the worst thing to ever happen to somebody. But even in those times, the Lord is taking care of his children. Even in the worst of human circumstances where the account is not there. I mean, I think of this uh, and relate it to my family. This is a verse that means a lot to, to me and, and my family. My dad is a, uh, you wouldn't know it, a Kansas farm boy even though he's an electrical or an aeronautical engineer and has been that for, well, most of his life that people know him, but he's from Kansas. And his family had been in Kansas for a number of years. His dad, uh, back in the 20s and 30s, had a very large farm, one of the largest farms uh, there in the region. But if you know anything about history in the 30s is when the Dust Bowl happened uh, in uh, the region there in Oklahoma and Kansas and those regions and, and farmers were trying their best to grow crops and they couldn't. And many of them after the first year or two kind of gave up, sold their property because they couldn't ca have a crop and they were trying to buy seed to then plant a crop that wasn't growing. My grandfather went, I think four seasons like that where he'd plant stuff and nothing would grow. And finally what he did is he lost the farm literally had to sell the farm so now what's he going to do well uh there is a pack of letters that our family has that my grandfather wrote back home because what he started doing is he rode the rails along with a whole bunch of other people during the 1930s and they would go from place to place and they would get off someplace and go is there any work here some government project, the CCC, the WPA, all of these different things. Is there something to work? And, and he did this. My dad wasn't even born until 1941. So he missed part of this, where my grandfather went from place to place. I've been to Kansas, and I, to me, I've seen everything in Kansas. There is a Yellow Brook Road there, um, and other things. And there are not too many things to see. And I can remember being a, a young man, well, a kid, and going and seeing different farmsteads that, you know, so-and-so lived here and so-and-so lived here. And then dad going, well, this is the place where it should be at. Not quite sure if this is it. 
And he would then tell the story, this is where we used to live. It was at the end of a very long driveway. And he said, this was the the place we lived. It was a one-room house. He, his brother, his sister, his parents, uh, when dad finally came back from riding the rails and was working for other people, they lived in a one-room house. And, uh, you know, they, they talked about the fact, and I, I've talked to relatives that are like this, uh, but they talked about the fact that their overalls had patches on the patches on the patches on the patches. But the statement was this, they never had to beg bread. The Lord took care of them. Lord took care of them. They knew the Lord would take care of those things and, and take care of those needs. And though they are not, were not wealthy in the world, they had all the care that they needed from God because God was taking care of the provision of food. And they could look back and just say what a great God God was in taking care of them all of those years. They could see it. But they never had to beg bread. You know, God takes care of our pathway, even though the world may look at us and go, well, that person has nothing. God is day by day providing the daily bread that uh, we need uh, for life, and he is good about doing this. That's not to say there aren't extreme circumstances where it seems like people have to beg bread. There are Christians, and those are the extreme circumstances, and there's another purpose there. But God daily is providing bread. So, you go through this first section. The Lord gives protection. The Lord takes care of possessions. The Lord guides and guards the pathway of individuals. But what you then have, starting in verse 27 on through the end, is just a series of exhortations, kind of challenges, okay? Since you see these things, the Lord's taking care of your possessions and protecting you. He's taking care of the pathway you're on. Here's what you need to do. Verse 27, you just see this idea for the believer is turn from wickedness don't go down that path don't think that's the the right path to be on and that the world seems to be having everything and maybe i should just be like them you go why is that well as you mark through here in verse 27 to verse 29 you see a word that just keeps coming up over and over again and it's that word forever Depart from evil, do good, and dwell forevermore. The Lord loveth judgment, forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. You don't want to go down. The reason that the challenge is there, turn away from wickedness. You don't want to go that path because the end thereof is destruction. So you don't want to go there. But a person who's following the Lord, that loves the Lord, is following Him and has faith in Him, is the, the individual that in the end will live forevermore in the presence of God. But to go the way of the wicked is to find destruction in life. And so the challenge is, is don't go there. Don't go that route. Don't turn down that path, down the path of wickedness, because it's not going to give you uh, what you want in the end. It's going to bring your destruction. So turn from wickedness. But you see then in verses 30 to 33, that not only do you turn from wickedness, but you ought to be one who communicates the word. 
Verse 30, the mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom. His tongue talketh of judgment. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. This is what you find in Psalm chapter 1, that this person finds their delight in the law of the Lord, and in his law does they meditate day and night. They love what God has to say because this is the guidebook, as you read in Psalm 119, that gives light to the path gives direction to a person that may be stumbling in their way and going down the wrong path. Young men, uh, they can, well, get on the right path by what? Pay, taking heed to the law of God. And a believer who is really following God is one who is thinking about the Word of God and then communicating it to others. They, they aren't holding this to themselves. They're actually going, here's something that will be beneficial to you. This is something that if you understand, you'll find protection and you'll find life uh, in these words. And they're willing to share this. They aren't going to hold on to it. And so for an individual who is seeing that the end of the righteous is good, that there's protection in the Lord and they've studied this and they've thought about it and they've observed it. They're going to talk about it. And so the person is not only, excuse me, not turning down the wrong path, but they're communicating to others what the right path is. What's the right way? What's the right response? What's the right thought process? And it has in verse number 34, the idea of, well, keeping on the way of the Lord. Okay, don't turn down the path of where uh, the wicked are going. Be one who communicates the word and, and keep to the path uh, that uh, you're on. Verse 34, wait on the Lord. The idea of trusting or just having faith in him. Keep his way. And you say, what happens in the end? He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. Keep on the right path. He'll exalt you. The wicked will receive their reward Verse 35, I've seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. It seems like he's healthy, yet he's passed away and not. I sought him and could not be found. And then as the psalm has just kind of challenged throughout, he just simply says this, look, verse 37 and 38, look at the end of all men. I had a young man that used to laugh at this, that he would say, there's a verse about me. His name was Mark. And he would quote this, and he would go, Mark, the perfect man. And you had to go, well, you're taking that out of context. He says, the Bible says it. I'm like, no. It just simply says this, Mark, the perfect one. And then in parallel to that, behold, or look at the upright Marking is just the idea of you're, you've got a target almost set on an individual like this. You've got a scope uh, that you're following someone around with uh, and watching them. You watch these individuals and what you'll see is that for that end, at the end of that man, is what all the Jews were seeking. Peace. You know, they greet each other and they say the word Shalom. The idea of that word is peace. There's prosperity and that that's along with this. But the, the idea is that there is an absence of all those things that are frightening. There's peace. 
I mean, a person that is following the Lord, if you observe their life, you get to the end and you see that their life is peace. They're, they're, they're ones who die peacefully. They're not upset by dying. Yes, there's a little bit of, you know, nervous what's this going to be like because it is the valley of the shadow of death. It's got the illusion that you're losing your life and you're separating from the life itself. But the fact is, as you go through the valley, a shadow of death is to be in the presence of the one who is life. You're not really losing your life. You're gaining a greater connection to the one who is life, God himself. But you mark the end of men and you just simply go, the, the, the end that I want is one of peace. I don't want to be in chaos. I don't want all those things going on. I want to be at peace. I don't want to be like what verse 38 is. The transgressor shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. Or as one passage says, the way of the transgressor is not easy. It's hard. And it's hard and then it ends in a way that you don't want it to end. And so for a believer, you communicate the word, you keep to the way of the Lord, and, and you look at the end of all men. That's what it's given us here. The righteous, the wicked, the righteous, the wicked, the righteous, the wicked. Observe these things. And in the end, what you just need to settle on is this one thought. We've gone through all of this, and you're kind of looking at the world around you and going, okay, this is what the wicked's like, and this is what the, uh, the righteous is like. And you get to the end, and the psalmist kind of goes, but let's make sure you got your, your view, you know, your confidence in the right place. Verse 39, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. Or you might put it this way, it is the Lord. He is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord shall help and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Uh, the idea of salvation even there, deliver, rescue, save them, help them, deliver them. It's all there. I mean, for a believer that is in a world that at times uh, just seems chaotic and unfair, things happen. You look to the Lord and realize that He's salvation. He's a refuge and a stronghold. He's someone just to go, okay, I'm safe here in Him. I don't need anything else. I've got the protection I need. I've got the care that I need. I've got the guidance that I need. In this one, He will rescue and He will save. So that statement really is after observing all that goes on, you just come back to this thing and go, the Lord's my salvation. He's going to rescue. He's going to take care of me. It will be fine. And it will be fine right until the end. We'll deliver them from the wicked and save them. And the idea there is that what we've already looked at, that they're saved forever and be that way. So as you go through this week, you'll observe the wicked. You know, you, you 
have a week here where people are getting all amped up about the Super Bowl and you have all sorts of people that are there that are, you know, people that are renowned and known in the world that are all going to be a part of this and they all seem to be having a grand time and everything's going great for them and whatever else and you're just kind of going, and here I am doing what's right and it seems like I'm barely making it, but they're having a grand time and what you need to do is just simply go and look at this and go, what's their end? You know, for them, this week is everything to them. It's all they've got. Events like this and activities and that's the excitement of their life and, and that's, that's it. And when it comes to eternal matters, they're going to, well, have nothing. Whereas believers, you just kind of go, okay, you know, there are good weeks and there's bad weeks. There are things that go well and bad things that, uh, from a human perspective that go on. But whatever path I'm on, the Lord's with me here. He's a refuge and a strength. And I'm safe beyond this life because of what God has given to me. So don't, and then go back to the beginning, don't burn yourself up when you get frustrated that it seems like the wicked are doing so well. Delight in the fact that you've got a God who is your refuge and your salvation. He's a good God. And we'll see that even more when we get to glory and we'll see all the stuff that he did that we didn't pay attention to, uh, the good things he did. Lord, we thank you. We can get so wound up about our world and the people that are in it and forget about the good that you give us the good things uh, in this life the necessities that you take care of problems you rescue us from but most importantly our end is not here in this life the good that we have stops here no, we have a good that goes right on into eternity. And it's because of you. And so we thank you for being our God. For being a God that took care of our greatest need and salvation uh, from sin. But you're a God who rescues in many different ways otherwise as far as uh, taking care of problems daily and weekly and year by year. You rescue us. You keep us safe. So we thank you. May we not get uh, upset, hurt ourselves with bitterness and envy and jealousy, but just delight in the fact that we have you as our God. We love you. We thank you for your Son. And because of him, we praise you. Amen.